that has created an environment where everybody is pulling back one by one, canceling shows that they had previously greenlit, sometimes in the middle of production. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, November 7th. Today, I'm joined by Matt Bellany with an outlook on the post-strike Hollywood landscape. And the world of film and television is decidedly not as fun and frothy as it was before the strikes. As Matt explains, there's less money flying around, which means fewer shows and a possibly difficult future for all those writers and actors who aren't already superstars. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. It's election day. There's some big races out there if you live in Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, Mississippi. Democrat could win in Mississippi, the governorship. That's a long shot, but it could happen. So go vote if you live in a state where there's an election on your ballot. Please, 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 local elections matter. Sorry to sound like a cornball, but I care about that stuff. We're not talking politics today, though. We're talking Hollywood with the one, the only, Matt Bellany. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm very interested in politics. Who's going to win the, these races? Give me your long shot upset that's going to happen. <laughs> the thing I'm most interested in is what's happening in Virginia, my home state, the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote about this uh, yesterday for Puck for the best and the brightest, mm-hmm. but the whole race is about abortion. Glenn Youngkin, the Republican governor, wants to enact a 15-week abortion ban and basically control the state legislatures on the ballot. So, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you don't live in Virginia, don't give a shit about like the House of Delegates. It's like the purest test case of abortion politics out there that Democrats are really hoping for, (laughs) especially next year with Biden's numbers in the tank. You know, they want a replay of 2022 where like abortion helped get Democratic voters out. And so we get to have this petri dish of, of an election tomorrow in Virginia that will kind of be a proving ground for abortion politics. Isn't like abortion rights undefeated since the Supreme Court ruling? So it, it depends how you look at it, but the best way to think about it is Democrats have been overperforming in every special election for, for a state legislative seat this year. Um, obviously, like they held the line in the Senate last year uh, in those targeted races. But yeah, I mean, Democrats have won in a vacuum, like a bunch of special election races because 
you know, I think abortion is a big reason, at least the Democrats I talk to say it is because people aren't enamored with Democrats right now. So they're not Biden. Cost of living still feels like the number one issue, but they aren't enamored with Republicans either. There's just this interesting dynamic, Matt, that's happened in politics in the Trump years where the more college educated suburbanites have drifted to the Democratic Party and left the Republican Party like those voters show up in midterm and off year elections. And it used to be the opposite. Like it used to be in an off year election or an off off year election like the one in Virginia, old Republican white people would show up and vote. <laughs> but the, it's sort of like the interesting inverse is happening now where Democratic base voters certainly like are having trouble showing up at the polls. But the regular mainline voters are showing up and they're voting Democrat. So um, it'll be interesting, though, next year when Trump is on the ballot and his voters join them in those acts of democracy or not. Democracy. Yeah, it used to be the mail in people were Republican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The world <laughs> has flipped. changed. So, Matt, let's talk about <laughs> I'm just going to read the headline. You filed a piece yesterday. Hollywood's post strike hellscape. The writer strike obviously concluded a few weeks back. The SAG, the actor strike, hopefully will come to an end at some point soon. But we should be theoretically celebrating the end of these labor disputes. But we're coming back to this world where, hey, great, people are making TV shows and movies again. But, oh, man, reading your piece, it's it's pretty pessimistic out there. <laughs> I know. I got a lot of feedback that were like, people were like, dude, you're bumming us out. But it really is the case that the heyday boom times of the past 10 years are over in Hollywood. The, the, the streaming wars are done. Netflix won. The others are <laughs> scraping by or trying to figure out a business. They're focused on creating profitable streaming services, not streaming services with 200 or 300 million subscribers around the world. And that has created an environment where everybody is pulling back one by one, canceling shows that they had previously greenlit, sometimes in the middle of production. They are telling their investors that we're going to spend dramatically less on content and they're selling off shows to other services if they can. It's really just a, a classic boom and bust bubble popping. And this was happening before the strike mm -hmm. in many ways, but the strike really exacerbated it and gave these companies an excuse to really look at what they're doing. And in many cases, they're saying, do we need this? Uh -huh. Oh, and the answer is usually no. So you, you had a good example of this in your piece, and I'm reading from, from your article right now. This is Matt. Quote, I was on Peacock last night. <laughs> also a rare statement for anyone, by the way. <laughs> I was on Peacock last night and came across Wolf Like Me, a werewolf rom-com dramedy starring Josh Gad and Isla Fisher. I'd never heard of it, which is fine. But fifth season, formerly Endeavor Content, had made a second season of the show for Peacock and an Australian network. It struck me as something out of the just-ended era where purpose is found after green light. No way that gets made post-strike. I totally agree with you. Like it feels like one of those like pre-strike shows where it's like do we do we need this? Who's asking for this? You can see, there's a million of those uh -huh. shows that popped up on the ancillary services, I call them like Paramount Plus or Peacock or even some of the stuff that got greenlit for Max the HBO Max service mm -hmm. where it's just a volume play. 
they had a package available that, you know, these stars are willing to make this show for this amount of money. And there was a justification found after the fact. And that stuff is getting just cut out. They're, they're just, no one's going to make that anymore. So explain for people, like, what the reason for that is. Like, you write very clearly that it's cost. Like, what does that have to do with the strike, though? The strike really brought into focus the spending that was going on. Mm. Because what happened during the strike is all of these services spent less. One by one, the free cash flow, which is the measure of how much you're spending, Mm -hmm. free cash flow went up at all of these companies during the strike because they weren't spending it on content. And what they found is that the subscriber numbers have not really suffered because of that. Netflix has actually been growing. Now, part of that is because the pains of the work stoppage have not yet hit the bottom line in the, you know, the end of the year, spring, summer of next year is when we're going to really see Hmm. Netflix and the others have problems, you know, with shows that would have appeared that aren't, but it showed them that they don't need necessarily to spend an arm and a leg on all this content to generate subscribers. So that's one thing that's happened. The other is that the freewheeling days of cheap money and stock market rewarding subscriber growth in streaming, chasing the Netflix model, that's all changed. The market is now demanding profitability at the streaming services. They're under pressure to cut the losses. Mind you, these streaming services are losing hundreds of millions of dollars each quarter, Mm. sometimes billions of dollars, although that has really stopped. But they're under pressure to make a profit in streaming. And when you're under pressure for profitability, the only way to get there is to raise prices, which they're all doing, Mm -hmm. and cut costs, which Mm -hmm. they're all doing. So the strike was about, the writer's strike at least, people at the top getting paid a lot of money. And that's the studio executives, but also you you have brand name filmmakers and writers and actors making a lot of money. And then the guys and gals in the middle not making as much Mm -hmm. money. So like, it seems like from what you're saying that this new economic reality will continue to punish those people in the middle who don't have these like huge development deals. Oh right? yeah. And by the way, the, a lot of the development deals are going away. The overall deals, you know, the three to $5 million range deals that were pretty common during the peak TV era. Those are going away. You're still going to see the a plus level writer, director, producer types. They're still going to get deals. Shows still have to get made. And if you're at the upper, upper echelon, you're still going to have a deal and you're still going to be able to kind of make what you want. Mm -hmm. And there's still going to be a market for the cheapest, the bottom rung, because they need to have volume of some sort to support these services. It's the middle class. It's the middle people that, you know, you were a writer on a show and the show was getting a second season. So they would do an overall deal with you just to kind of keep you in the fold. That's not going to happen anymore. They're not going to do development deals as much. You know, a lot of times a writer on a show, the show will end and then the studio will keep the writer on an overall deal to develop new shows. Mm -hmm. That's a luxury. They're not going to do that anymore. And because the market is in turnaround, they're not as afraid of losing good writers to other outlets. There's Mm -hmm. going to be more writers on the market. So I think that's where we're going to see a real pullback. Matt, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, ask you more about 
what's going on in Hollywood. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Welcome back to The Powers That Be, everybody. I'm joined by Matt Bellany, who's talking about the Hollywood post-strike hellscape. Matt, what, like, creatively, we, we just talked about the economics, but in this new world where there's going to be a really high bar for the streamers and studios to spend money, uh, they're not going to be developing uh, old dads or wolf like me. Old dads is a hit. <laughs> um, Old Dads cost $15 million or so to make and is doing pretty good numbers on Netflix. That's the model Netflix should be undertaking for movies. The problem is Netflix was, has been spending $200 million on movies that generate the same numbers as Old Dads. That's not as okay. good of a business. <laughs> Without shit-talking Old Dads, which I haven't seen yet, and you're a young dad, I should say. You're an extremely young dad. 
like what's the like creatively what's going to break through in the room when people are pitching ideas and, and scripts and movies etc like uh, you know hugely expensive over the top blockbuster movies big budget films and tv shows feel like they're not going to make the cut well ip driven stuff will yeah i mean i think there's still a big market for anything that's pre-branded pre-sold it has a huge uh-huh. following even if it's a little if it's more expensive you know you're not going to see these 200 million dollar shows that are based on iffy ip you know apple has made a ton of these like sci-fi shows that come out of a book and it just you can't do them for less than 200 million dollars jj abrams had a show called demimond that was based mm-hmm. on something and and was going to be his next big show and warner brothers basically said no because it was too expensive. And, you know, there are going to be tough decisions made, but I think like there will be another Game of Thrones spinoff. There is going to be, you know, there will be a Stranger Things spinoff, even though those are enormously expensive. But then I'm also hearing that these networks that were looking previously at big expensive shows are now trying to do like crime procedurals or office comedies or things that are lower scale, lower stakes that can become hits as well, but aren't going to necessarily break the bank. Okay. That's sort of what I was getting at. Like, what will this mean for the viewer? Like, what kind, are we going to see a, a, any kind of like different type show in well, the you're next gonna see few less. years than we're used to? I mean, you're going to see fewer shows. That That's the big thing is fewer shows are going to be you know made and put out there. And obviously, if you make fewer there's the less chance that your favorite or my favorite show will be among those that they make uh-huh. because there's just, you know, you take a lot of swings in television and a lot of misses and then you get the hits. So there was some interesting data that Bloomberg put out from a UK service this past weekend that showed that on Netflix, which is the biggest of all the streaming services, 5% of the originals on Netflix were viewed by 20% or more of the service's customers. So a very tiny percentage of the shows are hits. The vast majority of the content is not being viewed by a fifth of the subscribers. Says something about the hit rate (laughs) in streaming. And that's the most popular streamer. Imagine the audience for something like Wolf Like Me, which I guarantee (laughs) you nobody listening to the show has ever heard of, and they made two seasons of that on Peacock. I don't know. Season two, episode five of Wolf Like Me will go down in <laughs> history. It's just You're assuming there is a fifth episode. episode. I, I don't know that there is. I cannot vouch for that. I've not um, seen it. Last thing I want to ask you, Matt, you mentioned this uh, in your piece as well. There's not, like, if there's fewer projects getting made, typically if you're, like, at least a big star an actor, you know, you got your endorsement deals, you got your people are getting into business more. There's less of that fallback stuff to do now. Why is that? The like economy. Ryan Reynolds I mean, doing, uh, you know, a, a, a gin brand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're still seeing a lot of the side business stuff, but there is less of the, I call it the low interest rate froth going on. You know, the SPAC market, everybody in Hollywood had a SPAC. Everybody was doing a crypto or NFT or all that other stuff that's gone away. Some of these big companies that got big during the pandemic, those are coming back to earth. Jessica Alba's company, Honest, 
has had a stock market reckoning. Um, you see, you know, there was a baby company that Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard launched that, you know, they're they're losing money and, and potentially in bankruptcy. You know, there's a lot of these big startups that that happen either during the pandemic or after are just coming back down to earth. And it's a different environment now. The low interest rates are gone. The money is not coming into the business as it once was. And people kind of have to justify themselves in a way that they didn't before. That world is going the way of Scarlett Johansson's pizza rolls, unfortunately. Was that a thing? Matt, it was a thing like a couple of years ago. Like she did this like weird endorsement deal for for this like pizza bite company called Snow Days or something. Okay. <laughs> it was just like it was out of nowhere. It was just a totally weird curveball endorsement deal for her uh, that became sort of like a little bit of an internet meme. Uh, I, I partly thanks that to one. Who Weekly, the podcast that mentions us at Puck sometimes. You uh, oh wait, which podcast? Who Weekly? Who, who weekly yeah, yeah th- they they have mentioned me a couple times i i'm not familiar with them but i get people it's very popular because people will say hey you were just on who weekly yeah it is popular it's a good <laughs> it's a good listen uh they are they can be critical of puck because they are uh snarky new york comedy that's okay writers. Uh, listen but, better you know, to be better to be snark i actually i actually called into their voicemail one time because they are also contemptuous of sports pop culture mm-hmm. uh and as i talk about a lot in this podcast sports bleeds into all the kinds of pop culture topics they love talking about but they they sneer at sports but now you know what now that travis kelsey and taylor swift are dating they can't hide yeah look who's sports into sports now weekly. wait they sneer at sports <laughs> they just don't they just don't like sports in general it's a, to- a separate topic but sports are pretty big in this country yeah it's a it's a very like sort of snobby new york view of the world hmm. uh, to ignore sports in such a way uh but i still listen to the podcast yeah but what, like wherever um, you know taylor swift went to breakfast is definitely big news <laughs> she is a them and not a who matt uh but i won't explain to you what that means thanks for joining me buddy all right thank you thanks so much for listening to another episode of the powers that be as a reminder the powers that be is the official podcast of puck we'd like to thank ben landy Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.